Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five tips to stop abandoning your goals. Here we are, January 2022. It's always the time of year where where a lot of people decide they're going to lose weight, get in shape, you know, and they set their New Year's resolutions. But did you know that studies show that by mid-February, 80% of people give up on those goals? That number is astounding. So I want to share these tips with you. And by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, just know that you don't have to, you know, set your goals in January. You can set goals anytime during the year, and I encourage you to do so. So my first tip is to make sure that you have a detailed plan. I I like to use the acronym SMART. So you want to make sure your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That is so, so important. So make sure you have that detailed plan. Second is get an accountability partner, especially if you are somebody that it needs to be held accountable. Most of us do. We're all human. It's okay if you need to be held accountable. Find somebody that you can trust and is going to call you out and be like, "Hey, you didn't check in. You didn't check in with me today. What's going on?" So, make sure you get that accountability partner. Third, is attach your emotions to the goal. This is so important because the way that you manifest anything into your reality is the feeling that you want, the feeling that it brings. So I encourage everyone, and again, you can do this anytime throughout the year, is write yourself a letter and write the letter to your future self and date it one year from today and write the letter to yourself stating all of the amazing things that you accomplished, but more importantly, how amazing it felt. That is the key. It's the feelings that help you to achieve your goals. The feelings is what brings things into reality for you. Fourth, there's many apps out there that will help you keep on track. I use Way of Life. There's about, at the time of this recording, there's probably about five, maybe more. Um, So you can use an app that'll help you to stay on track or just simply set an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action toward whatever that goal is you're trying to achieve. Lastly, celebrate your wins. This is so important because every small step that you take toward achieving your goals needs to be celebrated. Now, the most important thing that I want to emphasize today is if you have a setback, it's okay. Please don't beat yourself up. Talk to yourself like you're speaking to a child that is upset. If you are talking to a child that is upset, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be compassionate. So please be gentle and compassionate with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. To learn more about me, go to my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. 
Today's guest is Rob Palante. Rob is a mindset coach and he works with athletes at all levels, helping them with their mental toughness. So he's a former professional hockey player from Canada and I'm looking at his website and he has on here, someone asked me, what keeps me up at night? And he responded, well, I'll tell you, it's standing at the pearly gates when this is all over, meeting the person I was supposed to be and knowing I didn't fulfill that potential. This is a great interview and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Rob, how are you doing today? I am great, Sandy. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being on here today. I, I just could not wait for this interview because, you know, you're a former professional hockey player and I'm a retired figure skating coach. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. So before we get into your story, because I want to hear that because you've got a very interesting story. I want to talk just a little bit about hockey and like what age did you start and how was that journey for you? Yeah, well, I mean, being a Canadian kid, um, it started very, very young on skates at two, learned to skate in the backyard. Um, you, you know, initially when I was about five, that's when I took an interest in hockey. Well, always interested in hockey, road hockey and stuff, but organized hockey. And you're going to like this one, Sandy. My mother said to my father, who was also an ex-hockey player, if he's going to play hockey, he better really learn to skate. I'm putting him in figure skating. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And that is so important. I know we had chatted in Messenger or whatever. And when I first started coaching skating, I had half of my students were hockey players and half of them were figure skaters. And I ended up having to make a choice as to which direction I was going to go in. And I chose figure skating because that was my love. And I was just so happy to see that hockey players finally realized how much they can learn from figure skaters in terms of being a really good skater. Sandy, I'm going to tell you, just coming back into the sport and, um, you know, sort of diving back in with some old friends. And there are so many figure skaters now that are involved at, uh, at the high performance level, not only the NHL, but the minor leagues, the, the college and junior hockey, former figure skaters that are teaching all these young hockey players how to skate. Yep. Because, you know, figure skater have better edges, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the best compliments I ever got from one of the hockey schools I was running was from a mom who was a former figure skater. I had a dad tell me that I wasn't making the kids sweat enough on ice. She stepped in and said, one of the best practices I've seen because nobody teaches the kids how to use edges anymore. And in my mind, if you can't skate and you don't develop that foundation very early on, um, then you don't have the, the, the pillars to build on top of. That's right. That is so, so true. So kudos to your mom for, for stepping in. <laughs> and that's great. So my son, I put him on skates when he was two and a half. And by the age of four, he was burnt out. <laughs> oh, wow. So, oh, well, I, I had thought I'd have a hockey player on my hands, uh, but no, <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> that's okay. You know, we, we got kids. My son decided at 12, he didn't want to play hockey anymore. Uh, I, I think I struggled with it more than he did. Yeah, but you know, as because I coached for so many years and I retired from coaching after becoming a U.S. national and international figure skating coach, I retired before my son was born. And so mm -hmm. because I had 
so many years of experience in that world, I just made a decision that I was not going to push him because I saw so many parents pushing their kids, pulling him out of school, you know, and these kids are thinking they're going to be the next Olympian. And, you know, the chances of that are slim to none in figure skating, especially. And um, I just thought, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to let him do it. But it is a struggle for sure when your kids start, and you see the potential. That's what's so hard, right? You see, you see they have talent. There's glimpses of it, and you're going, God, if you just stuck with it just a little longer. But, you know, as, as parents, I think sometimes we, we, we want to see them like the things that we like. Uh, and I just had to step back and, and personally and just say, look, you know, if you, if you really don't want to do, play the game anymore, if you're not interested in it, then you got to pursue something that, that, you know, that you're excited about. And if it's not hockey, you know, we'll figure something else out. Exactly. Exactly. So walk me through the journey from, you know, you're probably a teenager. You realize you've got really great skills. What, what happened? You know, what, how did you get to the professional level? Well, it was um, it wasn't it wasn't the the road that I thought it was going to be, and I think that that uh, you know sort of contributes to why I do what I do now. Um, you know, as as a younger player playing minor hockey, I I excelled very quickly. Uh, I was a very good skater. Um, I was not a big goal scorer, uh, but I, my my father was a defenseman. Moved me back to de, or. I moved back to play defense my second year of hockey and really took to the position, handled the puck well, um, and, and always played at the highest levels of minor hockey growing up. Um, as I started to get into my, my teen years, as we approached the, uh, the, the Ontario Hockey League's junior draft, um, I was playing on, on championship teams. I was always uh, a top two defenseman, and I was ranked very high going into the draft. Um, I was also being recruited by... Um, by uh, NCAA college teams, and I had to make a decision after what was then known as as midget. I guess it would be U seventeen now, um, and uh, it, because the NCAA and, and junior hockey are offset by a year, you can't be offered a scholarship until you're in grade twelve. I was in grade eleven, walk preparing for the um, UHL draft. I was rated in the second round. Um, they knew that I was interested in school. I wind up getting taken 52nd overall, uh, which was in the uh, the top of the fourth round. Um, and I turned it down to to play a year back then, what was Junior B. Um, it's now Provincial, it's called Provincial Junior A, um, where I would uh, not um, give up my eligibility for a scholarship. And then I went on uh, three or four or five recruiting trips um, in my junior B year, and I chose to go to Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech um, was one of the schools that offered me a full ride. My father was an alumni there, so it was sort of a natural fit. The nice. challenge, that's where my challenges, yeah, and this is where my challenges began, because at this point, I was on this fantastic trajectory, Sandy. In my mind, I was headed right to the NHL. This was my next stop. Yeah. I was on campus for three days, um, uh, you know, uh, Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, uh, true freshman, went out to my very first frat party, and uh, it was at that party I was I wound up with one of the seniors at the time. His name was Randy McKay, who did go on and played in the NHL for about ten or twelve years, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he was a senior, I was a freshman. We wound up um, in a little altercation with some of the frat guys outside when most of the other guys on the team had left the party. We were one of the last guys there. And in that altercation, I broke my hand. And oh, we had no. not even started training camp yet. 
And so I was, you know, I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. Um, so I tried to hide it. Uh, not a good idea. Bad choices. I made bad choices. Well, kids and, do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, they do. And, and look, at I can't go back and change the past. And that's the path that's been laid for me. So, you know, what it did is now it, it's allowed me to use that experience to talk to talk to some of the kids that I work with, the younger uh, players, and, and, and make them think about some of the choices that they make. Uh, what happened at that point was now, you know, I um, was not in favor with the coach. I wind up missing half a training camp. I have missed half of the year. Um, my, uh, my hand was broken. I had to have it casted twice and reset. So I only really got into six games my freshman year. Excuse me, coming back my sophomore year, they decided to redshirt me because I didn't play enough games, which was fine. It gave me an extra year in my mind. But, but um, you know, I kind of carried a bit of, chip, of a chip on my shoulder coming in and not in a good way where I was able to use it to propel myself. I kind of uh, thought that I, I should naturally be in the lineup. And this sounds very, very egotistical. And it was. I'm a Canadian. I was, uh, you know, very high draft pick and I'm on a full ride. Why aren't I, why, why am I not just in the lineup? And, uh, and so I struggled being in and out of the lineup. And, and the, the difficult part was nobody really sat me down and talked to me. The best advice that I got from the coaches there was, Rob, be patient and keep working. You know, and when you're that young, we know now that, you know, our, our frontal lobe isn't fully developed as a young male and, you know, um, the ability to rationalize and take, get rid of your bad attitude, take what comes to you, go out and work hard and bring whatever it is that you can into the game and support your teammates um, is probably what I should have done. And I did the opposite. Mm, yeah. And so, um, it, you know, my career lasted until my junior year and then I, I left and I went, uh, came back home. Subsequently, I was I was invited to five NHL camps after going to a free agent camp where scouts come and watch guys that were undrafted because I missed my draft year, and I chose to uh, go to the uh, Minnesota North Stars camp back in 1992. Uh, I had a decent camp, but I wasn't a contracted player. A lot of guys there, a lot of talented guys, um, and um, and I kind of got pigeonholed into the role of a fighter, and that happened. <laughs> my very first day, my very first shift. And I, I took on one of the, one of the tougher guys who had played in the American league for a couple of years. And I did very well. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. so interesting that yeah you're labeled as a fighter but fighting is a big part of hockey <laughs> well it, it it was back then and so i i accepted the role as a young player thinking okay if this is what they want me to do then this is what i'll do and i you know went down to the minor leagues and i and i did that um but it's a tough that's a you know i i'll tell you, you know there's there's a, a lot of credit i give to guys that have to do that 
night in, night out, year after year after year after year. It's a grind. And okay, it really so, wasn't something that I was ready to, to, to commit to long term. So you're telling me that there's people that that's specifically their role on the team is to fight? Uh, yeah. I didn't know um, that. <laughs> so, so, well, this is what happened, Sandy. Like, so I was playing, I was down in the minor leagues and I was playing, I was playing in the East Coast League at this point, And I was playing with Nashville before they had an NHL team, a gentleman by the Nick Fatio, God bless him. Uh, uh, from Stanton Island, New York. He was a boxer, hockey player, very tough individual, played in the NHL and as a fighter. Uh, so he liked my rough style of play and he encouraged it. But it got to the point where um, I was playing less and fighting more. Mm. Uh, I would be sitting on the bench and, you know, just like you see in the movie Slapshot, coach would come over and tap me on the shoulder and go, get out there and take care of, you know, whoever the player was. Oh, Oftentimes wow. we would, we would talk about it before the game. Um, we would identify the guys on the other team that I might have to fight. And uh, in my contract, um, it was there, it was nothing written in. It was sort of a, a handshake agreement on the side that uh, I would I would get paid an extra fifty bucks for every fight I got in. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> Wow. So when you're when you're playing in the, yeah when you're playing in the East Coast, East Coast League and especially back in the '90s, you weren't making much more than than three to five hundred bucks a week. So if right. you could earn another hundred or two hundred bucks for for uh, two or three or four fights, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, of course, I know, I know. There's not a lot of money in it. So, so when ended, what ended up happening? How long were you in the minor leagues, and and then what was your next steps from there? Yeah, so so I was about four years in the minor leagues, and it just got to the point where there were there were a couple of things working against me. The biggest one, Sandy, was myself. Um, you, you know, I think I had the size, I had the talent, I had the ability. Um, I bought into the role of fighter. I didn't try to work myself out of it. And you know, of course, down in the minor leagues, the guys down there like to have a lot of fun, uh, and I fell into the I fell into that role too. And instead of working my way out. I just settled in and did what, what, you know, everybody else did instead of aligning myself with the guys that were separating from the team that weren't going out drinking all the time that, you know, kind of kept their nose clean. Um, I liked having fun and, and I fell into that, uh, that role. And, and because I was fighting more, I was miserable. And so yeah. it came to the point where in my last year I broke my eye socket and I broke my hand, both required surgeries. And I said, enough of this. And I walked away from the game. Yeah. Well, you know what? At least you're owning that today and you see it. So that's, that's, that's great. That's progress, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I didn't know it at the time. And, and today, you know, the, the rest of my story is after I left, because this is where I, I was able to, you know, recognize that those mistakes and accept those responsibilities back then, um, you know, uh, I, when I left hockey, I got involved in, in the corporate world and I did spend about 22 years and I did very well. I had a good career, um, you know, and, and you have very similar challenges in the corporate world as you do in sports. Right. Yes. Uh, except, you know, except it's now it's your livelihood. There's so many other other aspects that come into it. Um, you know, sports is at that level, at the at the professional level is a business. Um, leaving sports and getting into the corporate world, it's very cutthroat also. Uh, there's not a lot of loyalties, and it's pretty much what did you do for me today? 
Um, but I did well. Uh, I you know got into sales and I moved up into management and then leadership uh, positions and executive leadership roles. Um, and uh, but then I was going through a, a difficult time in my marriage in 2015. I had two young kids. We my my wife and I split up. And, uh, you know, I did what every 45 year old guy does. He goes out and buys a motorcycle. Um, and so, uh, it was, uh, probably about five or six months after I got the bike, it was in August, August 22nd, 2015. And I was hit on the bike and wow. I was actually going to pick up my daughter to bring her to, a, 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 I was coaching her, her little house league soccer team. And I was going to ride her over to the, to the park on the bike, a couple blocks away, and thank God I didn't get to her. I got hit about a block away from my home, my house, or where my wife and kids were, or my ex, and um, and I and that put me in the hospital for 40 days, eight surgeries, and I was given my last rites. Oh my gosh! So, what was that experience like for you, and how is how has it shaped what you're doing today? Um, you know, I don't want to say it was a come to Jesus, but it was definitely a come to Jesus. You know, I. It, it, it opened my eyes and, you know, there was something that a nurse said to me. Uh, so I, you know, when I got into the hospital, my kidneys failed when I got in there. I had all kinds of internal damage. I crushed the left side of my body, uh, my ribs, my scapula. I had two tears in my aorta, ruptured lung. Um, there was all kinds, there was a mess. So that once they got that done, I spent about a week and a half in ICU. When I got out, I had a nurse come to me and she said, you know, we've had people with less injuries than you not survive. You've been given a second chance at life, young man. Don't waste it. Oh, my gosh. You know, right. Wow. And so you lie there and you listen. That never, that's never left me. And I didn't know what it meant at the time, Sandy, but it, it gave me a lot of time to reflect. Right. So um, it was in there that I really made a decision about who I wanted to be with this next part of my life. I had spent the first 45 years living a myopic life. Um, I wouldn't say I was the best father. I wouldn't say I was the best husband. I was chasing material things, money, houses, cars. I was away from home Monday through Friday on the road traveling. I did give time to my kids when I was there, uh, but the marriage started to fall apart. Um, you know, so now I'm in the hospital. They originally told me I was going to be in for 120 days. Uh, I couldn't, I, and I was the sole provider. My my wife at the time did not work. She was a caregiver at home, which probably even even harder job than what I had. But um, I, I had to own all of those decisions, those mistakes, all the finger pointing and the excuses that I was making in the first half of my life. And so my objective was to get out of the hospital as quickly as I can. I was working under contract at the time for a company in Atlanta. So if I'm lying in the hospital bed, I'm not making money. I'm not earning. I can't support her or my kids. So I actually made a decision. I brought in a nutritionist. I focused on healing. I focused on myself. Um, and it was a turning point for me as far as my character went. Um, and I walked out of the hospital in 40 days. The doctors were amazed. Everybody was like, what, how did you heal so quickly? Well, I would think being an elite athlete may have something to do with that as well. Well, I was a little beyond my prime at that point, but um, I think it, it certainly did. I always maintained some sort of condition. I always tried to stay in shape. Um, and I think I believe that diet and I believe the, the, the mindset, when you choose something very specific to focus on, and that is what you wake up and go to bed thinking about every single day. 
there, I, be, I believe, Sandy, that there are, you know, we're all this vibration in the universe, right. and we have this ability to expedite and, and bring things into our lives. And exactly. for me, it was, it was healing and getting out of there to be a better person. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And yeah, there is a, I totally believe in the mind, body, spirit connection, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really incredible. Now, on your website, I love that you have these nine core values. What are your top three and why? That's a great question. Um, I would say my top three are excellence as a behavior. Adversity is an opportunity and uh, leadership through action. Love it. So I'll say, so I'll tell you why. So excellence is a behavior. One of the things that I learned and I learned this through my, my career is that if you say you want to be good at something, you have to put that effort into that every single day. Excellence isn't something that you come across every once in a while. And then there's a whole bunch of things that go in behind that consistency, perseverance, you know, and then the other two below that, the adversity, you have, because you're going to be faced with it. Instead of looking at it as a woe is me, look at it as how is this challenging me? What can I learn from this? And leadership through action is, is definitely something where, you know, I got a lot of kids right now and they all want to be the leaders or the captains on their team. The way you get that, whether you have a letter on your shirt or you don't, or you're in your company, even if you're a salesperson or you're not the manager, you can always lead through action. Yes. Always. And it'll never go overlooked. I love it. I love it. And I love the whole excellence thing. And I have, I actually have a, a framed, it's kind of one of those quotes, you know, and it has a golf course and people see they're like, oh, you're a golfer. I'm like, no, I just love the quote. Um and, and it's all about excellence. You know, I'm in my podcast yeah. studio, so I, I don't. Okay. And I'm not in my office. <laughs> gotcha. I could probably think of it. But I love that. And I, I always say, you know, you don't strive for perfection. You strive for excellence. Right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, those are really, really amazing. So so talk a little bit about what you do today with your um, with your mindset body bank. Yeah. So this thing, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, Mindset Body Bank was, you know, as I was going through two years of rehabilitation and, and trying to build my body back, you know, I'd lost a lot of muscle. I had, you know, a lot of metal put into the left side of my body. Um, and, and, you know, making that connection with my mind while I was in the hospital and listening to what that, that nurse said to me, um, I just, the, the idea of mindset and body kept coming back to me. How do we, how do I bring this idea of, of mindset and body back out and put a message behind it? The idea of the bank was not necessarily monetary, but more, am I making deposits into my life on a daily basis? And so when I created the platform for mindset body bank, it's basically going through, um, mental, physical, um, actions, routines, and habits that make deposits into who you are based on the visions and the goals and the legacy that you're trying to achieve in your life. I love it. So what type of programs do you, do you offer right now? And are you working only with athletes? Yeah, right now it's, it's just with athletes. Um, 
although I am considering opening up another program outside of athletes. And I've been working on um, a little something called uh, uh, the four F's, um, which I, I'll talk about in a minute. But right now, so I, I work with the with athletes uh, as individuals and as um, as teams. So I've got team programs, I've got group programs, and I've got um, I've got individual programs. Wonderful. So what what are the four F's? <laughs> so the, the I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up because I just finished writing this out, and I want to be able to make sure the four F's are um, uh, are the four F's of finding your authentic self. So imagine you've got your authentic self in the middle, and the four F's are fire. So what, what do you wake up? What's that burning desire? What's that fire in your heart, in your mind, right? And then from the fire, we, we go to, uh, I use the letter, the, I use the word forward. So always looking forward. Take that fire, create um, a vision looking forward. Look, we all have a past. We can't always operate back there. We learn from those experiences. If we're continually trying to be 1% better every day, we're starting to create habits and routines that are going to propel us forward. Once we start to develop those new habits and routines, now we're going to be moving into a flow, right? And so once we get that flow, and you know that from being an athlete, when you were in that flow, it was a magical place, right? Exactly. Things just start to happen. They yep. almost slow down. You're in control. You know, you're very confident and, and you're not second guessing. It, it's a great place to be. Ultimately, where we want to wind up with our, our our authentic self is is finding a place of freedom, and that could be financially, it could be personally. It, it's this feeling that that of of achievement, and not that we ever really arrive, but it's it's this idea that we are being true to ourselves, delivering and moving towards our vision, and we're in a place of of feeling free and not trapped. So those are my four apps, fire, forward, uh, flow, and freedom. That's amazing. I love it. And yeah, how clever is that? That's really awesome. That's great. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that program. And uh, oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining me today. So is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that we haven't covered? Uh, no, I think, it, you know, listen, if you give me a mic, I can talk for two hours, but uh, I'm just being <laughs> relative for time. I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Sandy, to, to connect with you here. Um, if anybody's looking to, um, to, to reach out or learn more about me, um, you, you can uh, uh, go to my website at uh, www.mindsetbodybank.com. My Instagram is mindsetbodybank.com. I do a little bit on Twitter, not a whole lot. Um, and then uh, my LinkedIn profile is under my name, Robert Palanti, and uh, I post on there quite often as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It has just been a delightful conversation, and I loved learning more about you, and I just wish you all the best. Sandy, thank you so much. I appreciate being on here, and uh, you have yourself a fantastic day. Keep doing the work, good work you're doing. Thank you, Rob. Take care. Rob was such a great guest, and I hope that you found his story inspiring and that you can take one thing away from it that you can apply to your life right now. And I love his quote, excellence is a behavior. So, so true. So again, his website is mindsetbodybank.com. 
So thank you so much for joining me today. To learn more about me, you can visit my website at sandyscarlotta.com. My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, can be purchased on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.